We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always, my co-host Nick Filato. Today, we're here to break down the Giants All-22 offense on the All-22 Coaches film. And finally, we got a fun film to watch. And I say fun with, obviously, you know, expectations are lower, which makes it more fun. You have Tommy DeVito in. It's not like we're watching Patrick Mahomes or any of these other quarterbacks, but for what it was and what the expectations were, I don't see how anyone could come away from watching this tape, Nick, and not be like, I had fun. That was fun. Yeah. It was interesting. The Giants look good. And I think it all starts for me, Nick, and you can jump in after this, but it all starts with me, for me, with the game plan. And we'll go over it as we get through this, but this was, in my opinion, the best called game of the year from Mike Kafka. And what I mean by called is situational play calls, calling plays at the right time to maximize things. So there's a difference to me between scheming offense and having a good scheme for a game and a game plan for a game. And then having those right situational play calls. I think Kafka and Dable had both in this game, but there are very specific play calls that in my opinion, were really damn good in the right spots. Third and one shot play where they didn't just try to go for the sticks. There's plenty of them throughout this game. But there's also good scheme and game plan. And that's where it starts for me because I was impressed with the fact that the Giants, I didn't see the stat until today, Nick. And it's an incredible stat. Jacob Gibbs went over this with me on Beyond the Box Score. Giants led the NFL in situation-neutral pass rate in Week 11. And essentially what that means is in situations that are neutral in the sense that you could go either pass or run as far as what is the best option over time from an advanced analytics standpoint, the Giants went pass more than any team in the NFL, which to me just says so much about confidence the confidence they had in Tommy DeVito's ability to operate a pass first offense and how did he respond Nick well he became the first Giants quarterback in four years since 2019 to throw three touchdown passes in a game he had explosive plays in this game plays that went you know beyond the sticks you know the Giants earlier quarterback of the year Daniel Jones led the NFL in percentage of throws short of the sticks Daniel Jones leads the NFL in that over 63 percent of his throws have gone short of the sticks Tommy DeVito didn't throw that often short of the sticks in these third down situations this season. Um, or I'm sorry, in this game. And so that's where I really want to just start off that give a hand to the coaches in this game and give a hand to Tommy DeVito. Cause it's not just having the confidence to be able to be like, Hey, Tommy, we're going to go out there. We're going to call pass first offense for you and see what happens. It's then can you operate that pass first offense and game plan? And can you make plays out of it? And Tommy DeVito was able to do that. 
Tommy DeVito was able to do that. And it was also just taking advantage of what Jack Del Rio and Washington's defense was doing. Those safeties were so close to the line of scrimmage. Like how many times on tape did you see Jalen Hyatt streaking open? Now it was typically at the point when the ball was already coming out from Tommy DeVito, but there was no safety to account for Jalen Hyatt on those plays, meaning those safeties were really pressed up. It was a really disrespectful game plan. Rightfully so. This is an undrafted rookie. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm probably going to call the game similarly. But Mike Kafka, Brian Dable, they recognized this, and they trusted Tommy DeVito to attack that disrespectful defense. And guess what? Tommy DeVito poured some Parmesan cheese all over and he ended up attacking them and he ended up coming away successful. There's a lot of just quick hitting passes whenever they were in off leverage to the outside, even if it was outside the numbers, sometimes not even to the boundary. Tommy DeVito was going to hit that quick hitch to Darius Slayton or to Wandale Robinson. And I felt like the Giants, anytime it was man coverage confirmed. It was, we're going to look for Saquon Barkley and we're going to exploit Jamin Davis. Poor number 52, man. This guy might've been an athletic linebacker at Kentucky, but Saquon Barkley has had this guy's number. And you saw it on plays that weren't even completed where he was open and Tommy DeVito just went into another direction. I was really pleased with what I saw from DeVito. I felt like he had a lot of dimes in this game, but you know, we got to be fair here and, and consider all context, be objective, held on to the football a lot. Like nine sacks is a lot of sacks. How many of those sacks, Dan, would you say is on the offensive line? That's the big thing here because everybody's turned the page. And I think this is obviously, and we'll get to this and we get to the final, you know, superlatives and we go over the pass blocking grade, which on tape is going to be probably different than the expectation might be for a team that did allow nine sacks in a game. But I think it'll be a good wake up call for those fans who have really just attributed sacks to only being offensive line stat to understand, you know, and we'll see it on the tape maybe that. Some of these are quarterback sacks. And in this game, a lot of these were quarterback sacks. Um, <laughs> it's not DeVito's fault. Look, the fact that he can even process a defense right now to the extent that he's been able to do it so far to me has been impressive because I always go back to this. When you're a third string quarterback and you're an undrafted free agent, and you haven't played in the NFL, you're not getting many reps until you're getting reps. And he really hasn't started to get real reps into the last few weeks. You don't have the rapport with the players around you. You don't have the timing with the offensive line. You don't really have much to work with, but your own instincts and that's something, by the way, that Brian Dable has, you know, praised when it comes to Tommy DeVito, the instincts and his instinctual play, which we saw on some of these throws. But in my opinion, yeah, there were some sacks that were on Tommy DeVito in this game. And that's to be expected, in my opinion, with him at quarterback uh, at this stage of the game. I mean, look, he's a young quarterback and that could improve at some point, Nick. But as of right now, the Giants will be taking a lot of quarterback sacks the rest of the season for as long as Tommy DeVito's in the game. And it was an aggressive game plan to stop Saquon Barkley, as we've seen basically since Saquon Barkley arrived here. Since 2-6 got here in 2018, opposing defenses are just selling out for the run, which opened up some of those play-action passes, like the touchdown to Darius right. Slayton. That was a play-action pass on a third and short where the linebackers just filled. David Mayo and Jamin Davis were like, okay, 26, we're coming to get you. And they hit him right over the top. Darius Slayton, that was just a beautiful move he put on that cornerback who was trying to get over the top as well. Just stopped, and then with that type of acceleration, explosiveness, and the burst that Darius Slayton has – wasn't that much space to run, right. but he was able to cut off the angle, get into the end zone. And I was really happy for Slayton. Hopefully he's okay with the forearm injury or the uh, elbow injury that he did suffer in that game. But one more thing, just from a scheme perspective, we did see a lot of man coverage in cover one. Yep. How many pivot routes and how many rubs and how many stacks did you see 
Kafka and Dable employ in this game to get these free releases and to get players open. It seemed more so in this game than in others. And it's just obvious at this point, man. Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, they have Jack Del Rio's number. They know how to attack this defense. And you know what? A lot of a lot of teams in the NFL do, if we're going to be fair here. But it is pleasant to see because we haven't seen this type of success offensively for a while. And as we said on last night's podcast, and dude, Tommy DeVito now has more touchdown passes and Tyrod Taylor and Daniel Jones combined. Like, that's silly. I'll say this. And more uh, than Zach Wilson. And more than Zach Wilson, more than Kenny Pickett. Like, it's just absolutely crazy when you think about it from that perspective and from that standpoint. And it's not all just against Washington. He did have some somewhat garbage time against Dallas and then the one against the Raiders as well. I will say this, though. The offensive line that he's dealing with right now, I would say, and I want to get your take on this, Dan, is significantly better than the offensive line the Giants had in, say, week three and week four. What, what, what would you say to that? Probably. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, I think sometimes it can be a little overstated, but I would say it's definitely been clearly better than some of those bottom out moments like three and four. Um, the Seattle game to me was more scheme based, like more just how Seattle played the Giants. That game was so much disrespect from a blitzing standpoint and the injury uh, to uh, the, to Daniel Bellinger and the injury to Bellinger, obviously, like totally derailed, which it's crazy to say, but it did totally derail what the Giants wanted to do. But definitely he's had better offensive line play. And I think one point you mentioned was really interesting about the man coverage that was used against the Giants. 53.7% of the snaps for the commanders on defense were in man coverage. And it just goes to show, you know, we talk about it a lot. You and I have faith in, and I'll be honest, like there are ways, if you want to question the coaching this year, I'm totally down to question a lot of things. I had a great conversation on Twitter about this. I'm totally down to question a lot of the decision-making in game and things of that nature, how they've handled injuries. But as far as the schematics go and the scheme, if you're questioning it, you're probably not watching the tape, to be honest with you at this point, because that's you mentioned like, oh, they have all these rub routes and these pivot routes. What do you want to do when you're facing man coverage? You want to run those kinds of routes. Those are the exact types of things you want to call to counter what the defense is doing. And they were really in their bag in this game. That third and one touchdown. You know, we've seen the Giants through a lot of games this year and last year. And on those third and short situations, I got to tell you, most of the play calls have been let's get the sticks. Let's get the news headed down. That play call was, let's take a chance here on a throw that might be more difficult to complete, but if it works, we're getting a touchdown, and they're committing to the run, and they're committing to the play action, and they're committing to stopping the sticks. And those are the types of calls I always love the most from coordinators in the NFL when they're faced with third and short or second and short, and they're not thinking sticks. They're thinking, how do I create an explosive play for my offense? How do I create a game-changing play that could be a touchdown for my offense? It's also situational play calling and how the Giants coaching staff recognized that they were running a lot of man coverage in short situations and mm -hmm. sometimes condensed in the red zone, which led to that running back mesh touchdown. Saquon Barkley's second receiving touchdown to Tommy DeVito. They knew that Jimmy Davis was going to be on Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley was to the left of Tommy DeVito, exploded to the right. You had the traffic with the spot. You had the traffic from the front side mesh. Jimmy Davis had no chance to get the Saquon Barkley. Cameron Curl had no chance to get the Saquon Barkley. That's just a gimme if the, the Washington commanders were actually running man coverage, which they were running a lot in those situations. So the Giants were just like, all right, well, we're going to call this play and we know it's going to be open. And it was. And it just seemed like that, that right there, just we know this is going to be open. Tommy DeVito, get the football to where it's going to be. And Tommy DeVito, to his credit, timing, rhythm, he operated a quick rhythmic passing attack when they needed to. So I want to give him credit with that. But, man, it was a coaching clinic, and it seems like the Giants usually have them against Washington. Well, they did these past two games, but they didn't really have a coaching clinic on offense the two games before that against Washington. No, 2021, 
well, 2021. 2022, was, I'm talking about with Del Rio. Oh, 2022. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, not. I mean, they ran the ball pretty good in one of those games, but I went back and looked at it. They didn't pass the ball that well in either of those games. And you so, had the Isaiah Hodgins touchdown, which was really just a beautiful route by Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah Hodgins, good, yeah. And a good pass from Daniel. Was a if you go back, yeah, if you go back to 2021, which is a lot route, but by Isaiah Hodgins. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not going to give that. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not going to give that good pass by Daniel Jones. Well, it was, pass it was out. It was out and it was time. Yeah, but it but, was more on Isaiah Hodgins to create separation in an isolated situation. Absolutely. And look, the Washington defense is better last year than it is this year. They don't have as many players, but they're still running similar. They're running the exact same scheme and they're still running similarly aggressive coverages. So I do think it's worth considering why the Giants weren't able to move the ball through the air in two meetings last year versus this year. And if it's not worth considering, it's at least worth considering why, you know, to me, Nick, the, I'll, I'll tell you this, and we don't have to get into this right now because this is not about this, but. You know, it's hard for me to watch this Giants offense create plays with Tyrod and with and with DeVito and think that when Daniel Jones gets back in the game, he's giving them such a massive difference at quarterback. Because it's not about like there's been so much arguments on Giants Twitter like is Tommy DeVito playing better than Daniel Jones, right? Or is Tyrod Taylor playing better than Daniel Jones? None of those arguments matter. None of those arguments take into account what really matters, which is is Daniel Jones playing a lot better than these two dudes? Is Daniel Jones when he's on the field look like a big difference maker over the Tommy DeVitos and the Tyrod Taylors of the world? And that's still what we need to see throughout the remainder of this Daniel Jones contract as we wade into the waters of very potentially Daniel Jones being the starting quarterback for the 2024 season at this point, as the giants continue to win games, we wade into those waters of, of more and more likely we will see more Jones next year as the starter. Um, or maybe they like another quarterback that we just don't know about in this draft class. That's obviously possible, but what I'm going to need to see more from Jones is, is these types of games where he's attacking and he's not just throwing to the sticks and he's not just taking what's there and checking down the play you brought up on Twitter, Nick, that, that shot play to Slayton, man. I've seen that play a lot of times the Daniel Jones years with Daniel Bellinger wide open like that on the check down. And I got to tell you, man, I've seen him throw the check down a lot there and you need to take the whole shot there for obvious reasons. It wouldn't have been a first down and it was a first down when DeVito hit that shot with Darius Slayton. So just, as we wade into that, I just wanted to at least bring that up, how it does seem interesting to me that the Giants had, what, 525 yards passing and five passing touchdowns against the Washington Commanders this year versus last year, where they had zero passing touchdowns against the Commanders and definitely not 525 yards combined passing in those two games. Well, they had the one to, to Hodgins, but yeah, to your but point. But they had one passing you're, touchdown. Yeah, correct, you're, you're correct. spot on it. And you got to say this too, man, and we said this weeks ago, one is getting paid $40 million a year. Yeah, that's what I, of course, yep. Tyrod's getting paid five. Yeah. And what's what's the veto getting paid? Who got like he's not making anything right now? Yes, he's making 414K, I think he's making or something. Or no, I think he's making like less than that. I think he's making a crazy low number uh, on a game check. So I think he's making like 40 grand a game or something like that to play for the New York Giants. No, but nothing for these football, right? Like compared to like Daniel Jones's game checks. Um, and that's kind of the thing. It's like we need Daniel Jones to be transcendent in a lot of ways because otherwise, why not just roll the dice with a howl? you know, or something like that, where you're, while you're waiting to find your quarterback, there's no gain to be getting a guy who's going to be paying, you know, you're allocating 40, 47 million cap hit like he has next year. If he's not giving you something more, he's got to give you something more if, if he does end up starting again next year. And I think, you know, it's tough for me to watch these games, Nick, at least trust from the, 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 you know, I don't need to get into specifics. I can about what Jones was unable to do this year and throughout his career on tape. And you guys have heard it all, but it is tough to watch these games now with DeVito and Tyrod and not think, is Jones really giving me that much more when he's on the field? Because it doesn't look like it, but that's, maybe, that's you know. Ex that's exactly the point. You nailed it right there. Is wow. he giving you much more? Because I've seen Daniel Jones make that throw to Darius Slayton right. in his career. 
DeVito's not doing anything totally different or better than Jones, but that's not the question. Exactly. It's what is he doing more than Tommy DeVito? Like if you're comparing him to an undrafted rookie, that's a problem. If that's your franchise quarterback, if that's what he's getting paid as right now. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, we'll we'll be looking for continuous upgrades in the passing game, but we got some of those this week as far as passing. I mean, we got three passing touchdowns. We got 246 yards passing and we got a 9.4 yards per attempt. Nick, we haven't seen that type of giants passing game since the Arizona game earlier this year. And that call all came in one quarter. So it's exciting that we're finally going to get to watch some of that and break some of that down. So without further ado, Nick, let's get into some of these play breakdowns here and see some of the explosive plays Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants offense were able to craft and create for this game plan against the Washington Commanders. I know this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Season has been rough, gross, disgusting, and of course, disappointing. But I find solace through Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. I just pick two to six players' stat projections, select more or less on those projections, and I watch the winnings roll in. It's simple, easy, fun, and their flex play options allow you to win on, say, two out of three selections instead of all three. I choose this option often because I'm a coward. You could be a coward too and capitalize on a higher probability to win. And now with basketball season here, you can select pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made plus receptions. Let's bank on that. Plus, PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. One of the many reasons why they've earned the tagline Daily Fantasy Sports, 
made easy. So please go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash banter and use the code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Make Little Caesars. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that put it on half the pie the entire pie there are so many other options that i don't have time to name slap that on a round crust a thin crust a stuffed crust a detroit style deep dish either way you win and speaking of winning everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup so grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game nick you ever been in the spot where you just felt like I've got a few hours to go. I'm going to this game. I'm buying tickets. I don't have the tickets yet. You're stressing. The anxiety is at an all-time high. You're trying to figure out what the heck you can do to get to this game. That happened to me a few years ago when the Wisconsin Badgers made the Sweet 16 game in the Madison Square Garden. My dad, diehard Badgers fan, the reason I went to Wisconsin, the reason I am a Badgers fan, I needed to get him tickets for that game. It was his birthday. So I'm stressing. I don't know what to do. And then, boom, I figure it out. I use the GameTime app. The GameTime app is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and anything near you. They got killer deals, last-minute tickets. You click open the app, and you're shocked to see that you can actually go to these games, having a good time, and not actually have to pay so much money that it breaks your bank account. Stanley Cup Final Week 1 this past season. I used the GameTime app last second. It was actually past the time of puck drop. Went on the app. I was in Vegas. Saw the Vegas Golden Knights defeat the Florida Panthers. And I also used the GameTime app to buy my entire family when they came out here to Phoenix to visit me to see Tom Segura's special, which is actually the same special Netflix used for their videotapings. And I love it because you can find so much on the app. Like you get an actual image of the seat view. Not like you're buying a seat with an obstructed view. It's an actual image. You know what you're getting. Lowest prices that I've seen by far, and that's their guarantee. You get event cancellation protection, job loss protection. They go all out here to make sure that this is a great experience for the user. Snag the tickets without the stress of, with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code BANTER. That's B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code BANTER. B-A-N-T-E-R for $20 off. 
All right, Dan, first play, I want to go over third and 10. I got to say, Tommy DeVito was dealing on these third and long situations. And this first third and 10, it was a bit of an extended play where Tommy DeVito had to escape a pocket that was relatively clean to begin with, as we're going to see right now. But this play by Saquon Barkley is just absolutely amazing. I know we've questioned Saquon Barkley's ability to be a receiver, and I would say there is some evidence that suggested he wasn't as natural as other running backs in the league at this, but damn, did he really look natural in this game? This is one of the better catches I've seen in his entire career. I would agree. That might be the best catch of his career. The most difficult for sure. I think he's proven a lot to me this year, as far as his natural ability as a receiver, they've utilized him a little bit more, especially in these game plan. Like we face 53.7% man coverage. You can utilize second part of the receiver more often though. This is not even a product of him against man coverage, which we'll see later in the game. This is a product of, him making an incredible catch, but I really also want to give credit to Tommy DeVito because as you rewind that back, you can accept that the pass direction was actually pretty good. The pocket wasn't necessarily needing to be escaped. Well, at the same time, also pausing it in your mind or on our YouTube page and realizing that at the time of him breaking from that pocket, the routes have been figured out. Like this play was completely done off script. Like it, there was nowhere to go with the football. The only reason this turned into a third and 10 conversion is because Tommy DeVito went off script and then found on the move Saquon Barkley by the sideline past the sticks and was able to make that throw while rolling to his right with his feet, not squared set with the shoulders, not squared. And this was kind of one of those moments of arm talent. Now I still, I know I've heard from people like Dan, do you still stand by what you said a couple of weeks ago where you just don't feel like Tommy DeVito has an NFL arm? I have a very high bar, Nick, for what an NFL arm is. You know this. Uh, you know, some people believe that Daniel Jones has a good arm. I believe it's adequate at best. And I have a very high bar for it. But when he starts to make throws like these, these ones, Nick, where he is throwing from a different platform and a different arm slot, it does scream arm talent to me. Because as you know, and I've made clear on Twitter and many times on this podcast, arm talent and arm strength are two totally different things. Maybe when I mean NFL arm though, Nick, I still am concerned about his ability to attack the vertical plane at the NFL level on a consistent basis. We've seen two deep balls that he's tried be intercepted both in, in my opinion, under throws or just really poorly placed balls for the most part and balls that hung in the air. So I still question his arm from an NFL standpoint, but just remember when I say that for those of, you know, push back on it, I have very high standards for what NFL arm talent is. And you said that right? Like this kid was an undrafted rookie for a reason, but he's still a college quarterback. He can sling it a little bit. Right. And, and we see it right here. This is a well-thrown pass on the run. He's running away from two defenders. Saquon Barkley just does such a good job extemporizing here and finding a way to get open, helping his quarterback out, bailing him out. And you can see there's an underneath defender that Tommy DeVito while running has to put it over the top. Right. And he throws it a little high. Saquon bails him out too, again. And also a good job by Wondell Robinson to occupy that other defender to allow there to be space for Saquon Barkley to come open. But this is what leaders do, man. And 26 is just, he's, he's a consummate professional. This is a leader. This is the leader that the New York Giants want. And he found a way to get open. And you're spot on too about the, the, the blocking here. This is a good pocket. This is a very good pocket. And there were a lot of good pockets. We will get into the offensive line maybe at the end of the show. And I want to talk about John Michael Schmitz because he had, a, I would say, an up and down game. But all in all, this was a an impressive, impressive blocking effort by the New York Giants for a team that surrendered nine sacks. Right, exactly. That's such a good example of why you can't just look at the sacks to define an offensive line and how they perform that week. This is probably the best example I've ever seen of that, I would honestly say, Nick. Absolutely. Now, third and 13, we talked a lot about a little bit earlier. 
these yep. third long situations. This was the play before the Saquon Barkley touchdown, the first touchdown. Watch how Tommy DeVito, A, uses his upper body to open up a throwing window with a slight little pump fake. You'll see that a little bit better on the end zone copy. But look at Daniel Bellinger on the yep. hook. He's about six yards down the field. He would still need another seven to get that first down. Tommy DeVito could rip this football in, but he waits, man. He is patient, and he waits for Darius Slayton to get out of that break on the deep dig route and throws it in a pretty damn tight window. This is a big boy pass from Tommy DeVito, man. He shows a lot with this, dude, because this is not easy. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of confidence. The good pocket certainly helps, but, man, I was really happy to see this. And roll it back to the, the the first angle of it. What I love so much about this is you can see hints of just how aggressive Washington defensive backs and second level and third level defenders have been coached against to play the Giants since la dating back to their first two games last year against the Daniel Jones Giants. And watch 25 here and watch how much cheating he has toward the Daniel Bellinger checkdown. He has no reason in reality in my mind, Nick, to want to cheat or to need to cheat here. Like he could literally get more depth and still rally to tackle Daniel Bellinger short of the sticks, but he just doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe Tommy DeVito is going to make that window and watch him cheat up a little bit at around that 40 yard line. That kind of defines the window and opens that window for Darius Slayton. If he sinks a little bit more here, it's not going to be there for Tommy DeVito and Darius Slayton, but because they're playing him aggressive, they expect the check down. They've been breeded. And why wouldn't they expect the check down? Giants have been checking down against the commanders for years now. And um, with the exception of the Tyrod game from from earlier this year. And, you know, this is what you get. You get a window open and the timing has to be perfect. The drive on the throw is there, in my opinion, from Tommy DeVito. This is one of his best drive throws. I didn't think it was his best throw of the game. There was one that I thought was even better. But it is, is up there for one of the best throws of the game when you consider that it was between a tight window here. And also just everything he does before he releases the football. I mean, we both already touched yeah, on it. But really pay attention to the apex defender, the defender that Dan was just talking about who was – basically a sign this is a cover two defense which i'm also going to mention something on that in a little bit to daniel bellinger watch him pump fake right there and that's when that defender just takes a step forward to yeah. to the 40 like you said man and you have wandell robinson clearing out the deep half defender and then you have darius Layton coming right behind football also we talk a lot about anticipatory throwing that football is coming out darius Way Layton's before Layton's in his break out of his break yep way before Slayton is out of his break. This is just a really nice play from Tommy DeVito and Darius Slayton and the New York Giants coaching staff. If you remember, I think it was the Dallas game. It might have been the Raiders game. It was one of the last two games where Tommy DeVito was in there, though, damn. He carved up a cover two defense. Now, it was in garbage time, but remember the Daniel Bellinger sale concept? I think that yep. was a cover two defense. He had the play to Darius Slayton up the sideline. That was a cover two defense. Looks like Tommy D can sling against cover two defenses. Yeah, maybe that's a, that's a look that he's every quarterback has looks that they like. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, that was the case with and it's the case with everyone. It's not just gonna trying to bring up Daniel Jones, but Daniel Jones in the rookie season with Pat Shermer. He found a lot of looks that he liked. Then teams got tape on it and they started to take away those looks against certain coverages. And that will ultimately, I think, happen with any quarterback, Tommy DeVito included. It's just how the game works when defensive coordinators get about seven, eight games of film on these quarterbacks. They start to take away the things that they like to do. But for now. He has a way he he does feel comfortable in beating some of these looks. Um, and here we're going to get to this next play, by the way, Nick, which is a first and 10, the very next play after that slate. This is my favorite throw of the game from Tommy DeVito, but you can break it down first. Oh, it's a beautiful play. And it's just another confirmation post snap 
Saquon Barkley is going to basically run this rail type concept, running back wheel, whatever you want to call it. You could see this is going to be man coverage. Jermin Davis just goes and meets him near the line of scrimmage. Saquon Barkley kind of gives the impression that it could be a choice route. Can I cut back inside? You have Jermin Davis's hips oriented outward to remove an any inside breaking route, but also to assume responsibility of the outside breaking route. So Saquon Barkley somewhat tempos his route, right? He doesn't just explode out of it. He tempos it a little bit and then he fires. He puts his foot in the ground and then he explodes. And look, Jimmy Davis has no chance to cover him. You also have that deep clear out route. I believe it's from Darius Slayton who holds that deep safety in place. Watch, he's going to run directly. It might've been Daniel Bellinger, but regardless, he runs directly at the safety. So the safety has eye candy of a deep streak running right at him, who's well covered by that defender, but then nobody can get to Saquon Barkley because that safety is occupied just long enough for Tommy DeVito to put this dime on there. And this is exactly what it was, man. This is a dime by Tommy DeVito and Saquon Barkley just burnt Jamin Davis, bro. Like he is wide open on this play. Like I absolutely love this. I wish we saw more of it this season. Yeah, I love how Saquon Barkley tempos this route. I love how Saquon Barkley throttles down as he's nearing the end zone to kind of settle himself in and compose himself to get ready for the catch. All that's great. But as you watch from the end zone angle, to me, this is the quarterback. I mean, it's great from Barkley. The route's great. He creates separation. He throttles down. All the things are great. But none of it's possible without the quarterback doing two things here. One, getting the timing right on the throw. Or three things, I'll say. One, getting the timing right on the throw. And you see from this end zone angle and better. Two, what I'm about to say sizzling this throw. I mean, he does put juice on this throw. This is good arm. This ball gets there fast. And then three, and most importantly by far, so it should not be buried, is the ball placement. Look at the ball placement on this. This is outside shoulder. This is away from the safety. If this ball placement is any different, this is probably an incomplete pass. Maybe an inch or two we can get away with to the left. Maybe. I don't even know. Two, three inches, no shot. This is a touchdown pass. No shot in hell. This ball is led outside shoulder, away from that safety, in a perfect spot with juice, with velocity, with timing, with rhythm. This is a great throw from Tommy DeVito. And when I saw this one, Nick, both the first time I saw it and then now again on tape a bunch of times, I was just like, damn, dude, this kid has some arm talent to him. And I still, again, that doesn't make me convinced that he has an NFL arm because for me, NFL arm means you're not limited on the vertical plane. Do teams chill trust you on the vertical plane to get it there? And I'm still concerned about that. But as far as this range of throw, the intermediate range, and this is pretty deep, but the intermediate to deep range, I have some confidence in his ability to get the ball there. All right, Dan, since you you brought this up twice, how many quarterbacks, I think a better way to paint this picture, how many quarterbacks in the league do you think have NFL arms per your criteria? Sure. That's a great question. Um, I mean, we would have to go through them team by team for me to really think about it, but on a, on a baseline level, my guess would be probably fewer than 50%. Yeah. That, that, that was my point. Like it's not 32 players in your, in sure. your mind. Like it's, it's, uh, there's less players out there that, that have NFL arms. for sure. Fewer okay. players than not. The only problem for me, Nick, or the issue for me is if you don't have it, I don't really have, I don't really believe in a ceiling for you is kind of where I'm at with it. If you can't yeah. challenge, it's, it's, it's always what you say, Nick. It's the, I love the way you once described this, and I've been bringing it up a bunch since. If you don't challenge every blade of grass with your arm and with your mind as a quarterback, your offense is always going to be somewhat limited. And that's okay. Like Tommy DeVito is not, we don't expect him to come in here and be the next Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. No one's expecting that. Um, and I think given where his arm talent is at, he's showed me. Like I mostly want to say this to say that he has showed me more than I believed he had 
from an arm talent standpoint. Like this throw, as you keep playing it back, Nick, this is a freaking big boy arm talent type throw. It's 100% a big boy arm talent throw. You're right. There was some special jersey juice on that pass. Now we're going to have another third and 13. The Giants do not convert this third and 13, but I wanted to highlight this just to look at Jalen Hyatt at the top of the screen. Now, Tommy DeVito doesn't have a chance to get this football off to Jalen Hyatt, but Jalen Hyatt is open here because you see that defender to the boundary buzz down, right? That deep yep. half defender pre-snap, he buzzes down towards that boundary hash. And I just want you all to see and watch Jalen Hyatt go past his defensive back. And it just makes me think, man, when the Giants do find whoever their quarterback of the future is, I think there is a true gem right now that is being unrealized with Jalen Hyatt. Yes, we all appreciate us Giants. Tape, right like we all appreciate what he can do on the vertical plane but i don't know if the nfl quite understands how fast this kid really is because the giant a quarterback who can deliver him the football because this isn't the only play that i'm going to show where it's jalen hyatt blowing past a cornerback and defenses don't respect the giants on the vertical plane right now but if more throws like the one i'm playing right here again which is the saquon barkley touchdown if this keeps happening for the giants Jalen Hyatt's going to strike big. And I know it hasn't happened yet this year for a deep touchdown, but it's going to happen eventually. It is going to happen eventually, Nick. And just to call back something I talked about two weeks ago with Sterling Shepard on Fantasy Football Today, he had the chance this offseason, I don't know if everyone's heard this yet, so just in case you haven't, to actually go upstairs while he was rehabbing and scout a little bit, work with the Giants, watch these receivers in this class. One of his favorite receivers he told me in this class was Jalen Hyatt. And one of the reasons was his ability to do what you just said, sink his hips and reaccelerate. And it's so smooth. It has, it, he loses no ground. I honestly feel like Nick, when I watch the tape, there are plays like this on every single game film, every single film. I see Jalen Hyatt getting open on the vertical plane since he started to get more snaps against the Raiders, dude, my God, he could have had 200 yards with a good quarterback or with a, you know, a great quarterback, let's just say in that game. I don't want to knock the quarterback. I more so want to prop up Jalen Hyatt in this regard. And I really do believe based on the fact that he is able to do that on a game by game basis, create separation on the vertical plane, that if they do get that right quarterback in here with really plus arm level, arm talent, anticipation, processing skills, he can honestly be making like nine to 11, nine to 12 of those types of plays a year for the giants. They may not all be touchdowns. Some might be tracked down and he might make just like a 50 or 45 yard reception. But I really do believe it could be looking at like nine to 12 because that's what like it felt like with prime Deshaun Jackson. That was the player I comped him to to Sterling Shepard and Shepard kind of said like, I like that comp, even though he, he made a mistake and fumbled his words. I saw some people ran with it. Yeah. He said Deshaun Watson. I don't know why he was thinking <laughs> about him at the time. I think right, Ooh, Jesus. Uh, you yeah, can make any kind of joke you want with that one. Yeah, exactly. But he was obviously met Deshaun Jackson. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that type of prime player can really change your offense when he gives you nine to 12 of those per year. So, I'm glad you brought it up. It's on tape every week. Eventually, the ball will get there. Now, here's a second and three. And this is the same exact thing that we just went over with Jalen Hyatt, who is at the top of the screen. And it really pertains to the conversation. Now, Wando Robinson's also going to be open. Jalen Hyatt is going to come open. But watch what Washington is doing. Washington has one single high safety. Look how wide open Jalen Hyatt is. Now, it's a second and three. I love the fact that the Giants are even throwing in this situation and not just trying yes. to run to pick it up. They just get the ball to Darius Slayton. It's a first down, not a huge gain. This could have been a huge play if you do look at Jalen Hyatt, but I'm okay with this type of throw in this situation. The pocket wasn't all that crisp for Tommy DeVito. But you have an extra defender rushing. It's, it's, not, it's like a four-and-a-half-man rush. But when you consistently threaten defenses deep, 
that fifth player, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you see, I, I don't know who it is, but you see a defender assume Saquon Barkley long enough to not allow Tommy DeVito to check it down to Saquon Barkley. And then he is an extra rusher on the pass rush once Jimin Davis gets width and gets depth to cut off the angle of Saquon Barkley. But with Jalen Hyatt's speed, you're not going to be able to run so many middle of the field clothes, just cover one type of defenses right. when he's burning players like he is on this specific play. And this is a far hash throw for Tommy to be. I'm imagining that there are divider rules. Let me get back to the play that there are divider rules. So that player on the outside, because it looks like he's an outside leverage or straight up off coverage by about 10 yards here. But then he assumes inside leverage. And I'm wondering if it's just Jalen Hyatt at, at the top of his stem, getting that defender to bite to the inside, or was it just, Hey, we don't trust Tommy DeVito on the far hash to throw over the top. So we'll play inside out against Jalen Hyatt, regardless of the fact this cornerback is, I don't know who it is, but he gets absolutely burnt on this play, man. That extra defender that I was just referring to, that guy's going to be in a deep half responsibility. Right. You have to worry about this type of speed. If you have protection, you have the quarterback who can deliver it, man. This could be a really br bright future for a player like Jalen Hyatt and the New York Giants. Yeah, I'm glad you, you pointed out again. It's just another example of him creating vertical separation. And now we're going to have another play where Saquon Barkley could have had another touchdown catch. Oh, yeah. This is going to end up, uh, it's not a sack, but it's the fourth and two. The Giants end up going for it. They empty formation, man, five man mm -hmm. protection. You're going to have three guys come open, but David Mayo runs directly into the face of Tommy DeVito and he has to kind of just end up throwing it away. But look at Saquon Barkley on this play. Look at uh, Daniel Bellinger and then look at Darius Slayton. All three of them are wide open. Like Saquon Barkley just toasted yeah. Jimmy Davis. Daniel Bellinger wide open. And you can see on the end zone angle, you can blame Tommy DeVito. Maybe that's fair. But David Mayo just comes right into his face, <laughs> phrasing, and uh, just hits him. So it's it's even a miracle that he didn't get sacked on this play. But holy crap, look at Justin Pugh's block too, man. That's just impressive stuff from Justin Pugh. It's just John Michael Schmitz ended up helping out the right side of the line of scrimmage, left side of the screen right here. And if he didn't, he would have been able to pick up this free rusher in David Mayo. Yeah, that white sticky mayo all over his face on that play. Ooh, but <laughs> hey, hello there, buddy. <laughs> uh, tried a little Nick Filato joke there. You always are the one who run with those, but eh, I don't I love it. it. I'm gonna leave them to you. But oh, man, I thought it was good. Okay, well, I think you're still better. But uh, yeah, man, I think this is gonna be again an example of what we might see at times with Tommy DeVito: some processing, <laughs> some slope. And I agree with you; it's not all his fault because Mayo did kind of do a really good job of getting right in his face, but. If he could process that faster, the ball could certainly be out of his hands. Yeah. So if Tommy DeVito wasn't looking at Saquon, this play is designed to Saquon Barkley. Right. Like I said, empty formation. You have a bunch to the left side. Saquon Barkley is the number three in the bunch off the line of scrimmage. This is designed for Barkley. It's a wheel route. goes right around. And you could see specifically on the end zone angle that Tommy DeVito's eyes go in that direction. If they didn't go in that direction, this would have been a completion and a conversion. But he was waiting for Saquon Barkley route to develop that's tough on a five-man protection and especially when you have a free rusher coming right in your face <laughs> oh, damn i did it again phrasing see how his eyes are going to his left the right side of the screen look at daniel bellinger just wide open in the middle of the field he's jumping he's frustrated but i don't really know what tommy devito could do in that situation if he was going to stay so long on that saquon barkley route because he wasn't wrong either the saquon barkley route did come open you know what i'm saying he was open on the play it just took too long and david mayo made a really good individual effort there without a doubt now we're going to have play action. Love it. This is a third and one touchdown pass to Darius Slayton. You can see how he just explodes right past number 29, who I think that's Fuller, who's a solid player, had to cover a lot of ground. 
But look at that burst and explosiveness. Once you get him to sink his head like that, you're just you have some eye candy with Lawrence Cater coming across formation to, to occupy the defenders. Now watch just the linebackers in the defense. They all just go to Phil and Darius Slayton is wide open. <laughs> this is the tight end leak play. We've seen Kyle Shanahan run this play ad nauseum. And it's not a tight end, it's Darius Slayton, but you can see the breakdown in coverage, which is something that you can do against these pattern match teams. Darius Slayton gets lost. Everyone takes the other receiver. Darius Slayton gets an easy score. Yeah, Nick, I love where you have this paused because it just shows how much open space was created by the play call. And this was the one I referenced earlier in the game, my favorite play call of the game, just based on the situation, man. It's third and one. You're the Giants. You have Tommy DeVito in the game. All year, you've gone for the sticks on this plays on these types of plays and on this play, you're not going for the sticks. You're going for the explosive. You're going for the touchdown. And Tommy DeVito does a great job of getting depth in the pocket, in my opinion, on this one, which helps him have the you know ability to make this throw from that platform. He drives the ball pretty nicely, nothing too special. And then it really does get finished by Darius Slayton here, who is able to catch the ball, keep his momentum, transition in space and kind of just do what he needs to do to make sure that defender doesn't close the angle. Because in my opinion, post-catch here, the defender in a lot of ways has the beat on him, has the angle. It's now up to Slayton from this point. Because look, if Slayton just restarted immediately and didn't give that little juke and, and you know, hip sync to try to pretend like he's cutting back inside, he's never winning to the outside, right? Like he can't just win with that with pure speed at that point because the, the throw slows him down there um, and doesn't hit him in stride. So instead, he has to do it himself here. He steps, he stutters, and he creates that space to the outside. Really well done. And I've seen Slayton do this at times in his career. The Texans touchdown from last year was one of the really, really impressive post-catch by Slayton. We talked about it on last week's game tape a little bit. Slayton has more post-catch juice than anyone really realizes. And I'm really excited to see him in a Giants uniform next year again. He's someone I was very excited to re-sign. I've always believed he's a much better player on tape than people, than the fans realize. And so I'm finally, I'm starting to see it finally show up. Not finally show up. It showed up for me a while, but at least we're now getting production that can, you know, you can throw in the face of the people who hate on a player like this. We're going to call this the Slayton shimmy. Just a little one, two, yeah. one, two. Yeah. Just gets him to sink his hips and explode right past. And also, man, just from a, from a pre-snap perspective, sure. that Lawrence Cager movement confirmed man coverage. And if you look, we'll get to the play real quick for the YouTube audience. If you look at the snap pre-snap, right? Lawrence Cager moves, Cameron Curl follows. Look at the defender who's assigned to Darius Lane. He's outside leverage, outside the hash by about a yard, maybe a yard and a half, two yards. Darius Lane's on the hash. Right. And you're just going to run underneath traffic, underneath the route of Isaiah Hodgins. 35 and 36 are both going to take Hodgins. That's going to force that defender to work over the top of all of that. Look at all that separation. That, again, is X's and O's, and that's telling Tommy DeVito, hey, we're going to run Lawrence Cager. If 31 or anybody follows Lawrence Cager, confirms man coverage, you're going to have Darius Slayton on the tight end leak because Isaiah Hodgins is essentially going to create a pick, and that's exactly what happened, man. I love seeing that. And it goes back to what you talked about earlier. Face man coverage, use plays like this, use rub routes, use natural picks, make it hard for these defenders to fight through traffic to keep their coverage and to stay in phase. And it's exactly what they did a lot in this game. The play calls made it really difficult, in my opinion, for Washington to stay in phase. Giants couldn't run the football this entire game. So I'm going to show the first rushing yards of the game for the New York Giants. Yes, that's true. It is 42 seconds left in quarter three, a 36-yard rush by Saquon Barkley, first rushing yards of the game. And holy crap, man, I love the front side blocking. The Giants are going to pull the play side guard, Justin Pugh, and the play side, and the only center, 
John Michael Schmitz to the front side and watch these guys throw these blocks. And also, I really want to go over the nuances of what Saquon Barkley does to maximize this run. First, we got Justin Pugh contacting David Mayo, getting rid of him. You have John Michael Schmitz taking care of a pursuit defender. And then you're also going to have Justin Pugh throw 53 to the deck as well. So Saquon Barkley can pick up another like 20 yards on this rush. But watch how Saquon Barkley fakes like he's going outside. I want to show this real quick. You have both of the blockers in space, right? You have about four pursuit defenders around the hash, just out or just inside of the hash, I think it's probably safe to say. Saquon Barkley is going to angle outward towards the numbers. He is going to get, I can't see the defender, it's number 35. He's going to get number 35 to commit outward and Jamin Davis to flow over the top outside the numbers. And in doing so, all three of those Washington defenders who were threats are now outside the numbers, and you have two blockers to the inside. So Saquon Barkley sets up to the outside and then just quickly explodes back to the inside. And watch, he runs right in between Justin Pugh and John Michael Schmitz. All of those pursuit defenders earlier cannot catch up to Saquon Barkley because of his speed, and he eliminated two extra blockers because of that little subtle movement to the outside, knowing he was going to have a cutback lane to run in between his two big offensive linemen. Like That is just a smart run from Saquon Barkley that doesn't necessarily show up on the box score, the score other than the 20 extra yards that he did pick up. Yeah, roll back to that. There's a lot I want to talk about on that play. I want to first talk about what you broke down, which is the blocking, which is really impressive here. Justin Pugh, one of his best reps of the game. I just love the end of this play, too, from John Michael Schmitz after he does seal off that pursuit defender. He doesn't make the final block, but just the effort from John Michael Schmitz is just constant and relentless on his tape, whether it means whether that means helping in pass protection and finding work there or just finding work in the run game and, you know, that dive there. I just love to see it. It didn't connect, but it's just an effort that I like to see. Now, as far as Saquon goes, so I do believe is the star of this play, I want to bring something up about Saquon Barkley. I no longer, I don't, I don't think it's a thought either. I don't think it's a, it's, it's controversial to say he's not the athlete he was in 2018. His breakaway ability is not no longer what it was after all the injuries. That's just a fact. I mean, you can look at the breakaway numbers and the advanced stats that show it. Um, you know, he had nine runs of 40 plus yards in his rookie season. Those numbers are way down. But I do think he's made major strides as a mental processor, as a running back. And ultimately speaking, Nick, what allowed Frank Gore to enjoy and players like Frank Gore to enjoy such long longevity in the NFL and long careers was the ability to process. And it's a big nuance to the position. We've talked about it a lot on this show. A lot of fans don't really put much into it. I talked about him beyond the box score when early in the year, people were like, how the hell are the Detroit Lions giving so many touches to David Montgomery and not Jameer Gibbs? And once I talked about it, you heard Austin Eckler get on the podcast with Matt Harmon and mention those things, the processing, the vision, the cutbacks. And I do honestly feel like I'm watching a completely different player with Saquon Barkley in 2022 and 2023 than I was in 2018, 2019, 2020. Some of those, you know, games where it just felt a lot of the time like his processing was just nowhere near where it is at now. I don't know if it's because of the scheme change, Nick, and the coaching change or just him maturing and changing as a player and watching more tape, whatever it requires but you know there were there does seem to be a lot more examples of plays like this where he is setting up the blocks and he's using his vision to his advantage and he's really turning plays that could easily be like early in his career i could easily see him either run into contact there nick and try to create yards after contact or try to bounce outside he does neither of those two things on here he sets up the blocks and processes a cutback lane and then creates that lane i would say saquon barkley was always Average to above average as a processor on power gap to the outside. That's yeah. at least my take on it. I think a lot of the times he bounced it outside. Those were inside, those zones. inside zones with Shermer. Yeah. 
yeah, those those were runs where it was there was nothing on the inside. I'm faster than everyone. Let me just run to the outside. This is designed to the outside. And I think when you give Saquon Barkley a chance in space, he does a really good job maneuvering within that space. And when you have two blockers to help you lead, he does this a lot. He did this a lot last year against the Colts and against the Vikings, yeah. both teams against the Vikings, how he sets up to the outside to force the defense to overflow. And sure. once they overflow, he punishes them with it was just amazing cutbacks and those juke moves that he does have. And I'm just wildly impressed with the G lead from Justin Pugh and then John Michael Schmitz. John Michael Schmitz is hustling like crazy. I, I wish the podcast audience, you guys were seeing this man, because he throws a huge block. That might've been Jonathan Allen, might've been Deron Payne, could have been Mathis, who also had a phenomenal game, mind you. Number 98 from yeah. Washington, the Alabama kid. He looked really good. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but the hustle is just, it's it's very impressive. And, and it's it's great to see too, man, because we haven't had a center who has who had that kind of athletic ability in quite a while. And he's not even like the most athletic center, no. but when you combine hustle, toughness, and execution all together with you know a solid framework of athletic ability, I think you are going to have success, specifically when you run all of these power gap plays. To the yes, outside. and I do think that he does offer a different level of functional athleticism. It yes. may not be the RAS athleticism, but just functional athleticism. And that's just something I can see with my eyes. That's the eye test. What I watch on tape, him versus Nick Gates, him versus John Feliciano, him versus John Halapeo and all the other guys they've tried out at center. There's definitely a different level of functional athleticism with John Michael Schmitz. And here we got this, Dan. I loved seeing this. this is a throwback to what was it, week 15 last yep. year against the Indianapolis Colts? A little fullback league play. I mean, the Giants love these little league plays. They act like it's going to be a run. They run the play action. Daniel Bellinger acts if he's going to block David Mayo and just leaks out. Nobody's there because there's a clear out route that occupies two defenders. Again, man, Mike Kafka going into his bag, pulling out the tricks, making Jack Del Rio look like a fool. You'll also have the motion, the orbit motion with Wandell Robinson. And one one other thing, just because Wandell Robinson just came up, watch Wandell Robinson on, on the play. I, I went back to the 36-yard run from Saquon Barkley. Wandell Robinson, this is a pin-pull concept. Wandell Robinson is going to be the kick-out block. You normally don't want five foot eight, you know, 190, 200 pound receivers throwing kick out block. Watch him just dominate the safety, just drives him out of the play. And Wanda yeah. Robinson, one of the more underrated aspects of his game is his blocking ability. And I never really thought of him like that because of his stature, but damn, was I wrong. Yeah, he's a great blocker for his size. And it seems like, man, the Giants find these guys who really buy into blocking despite the fact that they're not that big. Sterling Shepard was an excellent yeah. blocker. Darius Slayton's not the biggest guy. I mean, he's bigger than those two. He's also a really good blocking wide receiver as well. Daniel Bellinger's a great blocking tight end for them. So, okay. yeah. This is, yeah, this is a mix. Daniel Bellinger was really pissed that he didn't get I hope Daniel Bellinger scores a touchdown, man. Me too. Big blue banter friend. <laughs> friend of the show. Friend of the show. Acquaintance of the show. He's only been on once. Got to get him on again. He's and now here's, here's a touchdown. Auto, he's auto in. Auto in. Yeah. Here's a touchdown. Three by one set. We saw, um, I think our friend Sean, who's been on the podcast. He's a friend of the podcast. He's yeah. been on the podcast multiple times. Sean Saeed, an excellent follow on Twitter. He pointed out that there were two teams, the 49ers, and I can't remember the other one who ran this same exact play. This is just a three by one mesh running back mesh the play. The Bills were the other Bills team. It. Yep. Watch Saquon Bark. Look at all the traffic. Look at all the traffic that is created. You end up having three defenders chase Saquon Barkley because Cameron Curl and and uh, Jamin Davis, they're both assigned on Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is to the left of Tommy DeVito. But Saquon Barkley is just going to run directly through the uh, the field side A-gap. And look at all the traffic created from Isaiah Hodgins and Paris Campbell. If Isaiah Hodgins and Paris Campbell's assignments do not come off of Isaiah Hodgins and Paris Campbell, 
who the hell is going to take Saquon Barkley? The answer is no one. And I got to give credit to Cameron Curl. Very impressive that he was even able to get somewhat in the phase yeah. against Saquon Barkley. But Tommy DeVito, this is an excellent throw. Like this is a very underrated throw from Tommy DeVito. Like, watch, if you're looking on YouTube right now, yes. that ball had to be placed exactly there, Dan. Exactly, exactly there to be caught. And Saquon just finishes the play with the touchdown. This is excellent X's and O's again, and a great throw from Tommy DeVito. And these are the little details and the nuances that we talk about a lot on this podcast when it comes to ball placement. Watch it from one more time. Roll that back from the end zone angle. This ball placement from here, first of all, he changes the arm slot. Second of all, he puts that ball. If you put that ball anywhere else, it's at best tackled immediately. At best. At worst, tipped in the air, intercepted for six. At worst, you know, and some of those scenarios are just tipped in the air. Some of those scenarios are just incomplete. Ball jarred loose, intercepted, but not returned for a touchdown. But the only way to get the touchdown here is with pinpoint perfect ball placement. And I'll be honest, Tommy DeVito is able to deliver that right here. Absolutely. This is pinpoint. You're 100% right. And to go back to some of the other plays, if you want to rewind a little bit, there was a third and one play, the Darius Slayton touchdown. What was that? That was man coverage. What happened? Right. Darius Slayton was wide open because the Giants created traffic. This is man coverage. The third and five, third and goal. They're right there. What is it again? Man coverage. Create traffic. Create confusion. Score touchdowns. Create points. Yeah, exactly what they did here. I absolutely love it. And we'll run it through one more time from the end zone angle for the YouTube audience. I just love also the explosiveness of Saquon Barkley to outrun curl. And then that's just another, another touchdown against Jim and Davis who didn't really have a shot. Look, this was just fun to go through, man. Like just that last 55 minutes of podcast we just had was so much more fun than what we've had these last three weeks. And so I do juggle in my head with the whole, you know, what's better for the giants long-term losing or winning right now But it, in the short term. I know for sure. And with certainty, it is better if we can win because, or at least like, well, yeah, win because I don't want the defense to play bad either. So like short term wise, it is better because we get to have this fun and we get to have a podcast that sounds like this rather than the last few. Um, but let's get to some superlatives here. We have a few differences this week, which I like because we've before had some similarities. We, before we get to yeah. the superlatives, I want to bring up one thing. I just want to touch briefly on the offensive line. Yes. Because I want to ask yeah. you about John Michael Schmitz. I think it was an up and down game. We went over some of his uh, some of his highlights. If you check my Twitter feed, there's a, there's a bunch of really nice plays by John Michael Schmitz. I also saw him lose a lot early in this game. And I wanted I to agree. touch on some of these offensive linemen because it, it has been – I don't want to say rocky for John Michael Schmitz. It hasn't been perfect, I think, is, is the best way to phrase that. But uh, Fedarian Mathis was the one player on Washington because it wasn't even just Jonathan Allen or Deron Payne. Because I was like 98, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure Payne is 94, and I think Allen is 93. Who the hell is 98? And I saw 98 bitch John Michael Schmitz twice. I saw 98 bitch Ben Bredesen. Yes. Ground, like badly, where I was like, badly. oh, wow. So – I just wanted to kind of highlight Fedarian Mathis and give him his credit. And I think that Bredesen play was at 5'11 in quarter three, according to my notes. The John, the John Michael Schmitz one, at least one of them, was 13'42 in quarter two. But overall, what was your quick take on well, John Michael Schmitz? Well, I think it's just worth debating this a little further and just the general standpoint, because I'll tell you why I think that. Because we'll get to it event in a few minutes as far as our pass blocking grade one through ten goes. But it's kind of a weird game tape for me, Nick, and maybe this will make sense to you or we can try to make sense of this. I feel like this was a step back for Ben Bredesen in pass pro from my notes. And I didn't think that this was not one of the better John Michael Smith's games for me, at least not in pass protection. I had some positive notes on Tyree Phillips. who I thought had one of his better games since coming back to the giants in pass pro specifically. I still think he's just not a good run blocker in general, personally, but it is what it is there. Andrew Thomas was Andrew Thomas. In my opinion, in pass pro just great. But when I think about kind of the struggles I saw at times from John Michael Smith's and from Ben Bredesen in this game specifically, 
and even Justin Pugh, to be honest, we have some great clips we put up of yeah. Pugh, but it wasn't like Pugh was stunningly good in at all times in this game. It's almost like I wonder, you know, because we're gonna to to you know to spoil it a bit, we're gonna have a pretty high grade. You and I, I've seen your grade on the pass blocking, and mine's pretty similar. And I almost wonder, like, how much of that is just DeVito? Like, how much of that is him getting the rhythm down? I know he took some bad sacks, too, and didn't process. But him just, like, getting the ball out on time and being confident and decisive and instinctive with where he wants to go with the ball. I think it's a little bit of that. I also, like, we we had went over at least three plays in, in that montage that we had where Tommy DeVito had, like, three, four, four and a half yeah. seconds to yeah. throw the football. So the path protection was holding up. I think Tyree Phillips has, has kind of been one of those unsung players right yeah. now for the Giants. In pass, bro. In pass. I don't love him as a run blocker, but in pass, bro. I think that's fair. And one other thing about the run block, the Giants couldn't do anything when they tried running. Right. All of their running success came to the outside. It was on halfback stretch to I the outside. It's been forever for us, dude. I feel like we haven't been an interior run team in years. Which is crazy. We we had a couple nice runs when it was Evan Neal, Marcus McKethan when they were yeah, run duo yeah, yeah. towards them because it's like a seven hundred pound block. You have a seven hundred pound block, it's it's going to be a real bitch to to run through. But yeah, overall with the offensive line, I think that's a good point. Just Tommy DeVito being more comfortable getting the football out of his hands maybe masked some of the um, deficiencies that the offensive line has. And it's still just wild saying that. There's probably people listening right now. Like, dude, they give up nine sacks, but it's like I know, man. But a lot of those sacks, dude, I'm telling you, they're not really necessarily at the fault on the offensive well, line at a, to any degree, really. Yeah. So it's just it's something that eventually fans will get smarter with, and we hope we can be the pioneers of helping that along. You know, helping promote that but we'll get to a point i think in football nick we've come so far in so many ways uh just mainstream fans like there's so many things that fans used to not think in 2010 and 2015 that they know now we'll eventually get to the point where people realize uh you know sacks are not just on the offensive line they're on the quarterback as well i'm right there with you bro but let's get into some superlatives i'm gonna go with your unheralded player on tape it's different than mine it could have been either or. I just saw yours, okay. but I went with Wando Robinson. It's not just that he's bouncing off guys and he's lowering the truck stick on someone along the sidelines. It's also the blocking, man. And yep. you have a smaller receiver like that. He's he's he seems to have more power than I anticipated as an NFL player. And uh, that's a welcome. Does, by the way, that's a great point by you. Yeah, I got. You see a lot of these smaller receivers, like they get touched and they just fall down. Wandell, mm -hmm. I I watch Wandell Robinson, and look, I'm not a football player. I don't want to tackle any of these football players. But there's a part of me that's like, if I was a football player, I don't know if I'd really want to to absorb that contact. Yeah. Him running full steam at you, and I don't know if that's his speed, his, his low stature, low center of gravity. I'm not 100 percent sure what it is, but he has some pop to him, man, and I love to see it. We didn't put it up, but the play he made where he caught the, the you know, the little like curl on the out on the outside or the out, whatever you want to call it, the quick out, and then had like no space to work with and still made the defender miss and then yeah. got up the sideline and then lowered his shoulder through contact. He went out of bounds and stayed upright. That was kind of a good example of everything he puts together. And I think, you know, I was a little skeptical of the Wandell pick. You were a little skeptical. We all were, but I'm not as skeptical now as I was then. I'm pretty confident that he can be an asset for this team and offer more. And a lot of that is what you just said. The play strength is so much better than I expected it to be for Wondell Robinson. I kind of knew he'd be everything else he's put on tape so far. I'm like, yeah, that's the, that was what we we're going to get. And I knew he was a tough player, but there's a difference between being a having toughness and then having like play strength. And he has both of those, not just the toughness factor. And I like that call for you for unheralded. My player is Darius Slayton, the most unheralded giant over the last five years among fans who are just too focused, over-focused on the drops, 
which by the way aren't even like quinton johnson level bad and he made some good like, oh, but like the yeah that jesus christ we we were spot on with that eval pre-draft by the way neither yeah. of us were fans of him i didn't think he was a first round talent whatsoever and he could improve his game and that's kind of why the trade chargers drafted him they're hoping he can do things better but right now the way he catches a football just doesn't work in the nfl he's a terrible like he doesn't have good technique to catch he can, football. you're 100 right he can improve but how many wide receivers specifically who typically come into the nfl and they can be be a good solid contributor as rookies how many of those players receive this type of opportunity where everyone in front of you gets know, hurt and just, with justin herbert as your quarterback and then fall flat on your face like he yeah. has you know i mean justin I herbert nelson literally aguilar. walked him that football in the game nelson walked. aguilar is the one player that comes to my mind <laughs> oh, where true. It was like, struggled like crazy huge bust made yeah. a pretty damn good career for himself. I know you're right. He has figured that out. You're definitely right. Um, but uh, you know, as far as Slayton goes, the, the touchdown he had, I mean, guys telling you 99%, a lot of receivers that you consider to be on Slayton's level, the people who hate Slayton aren't making that play. They're never capable of that. Like they're getting tackled after the catch and that might end up in a field goal, Nick. Like if we get tackled there at the 11, I'm not sold that we're converting in the red zone every time. And he is able to turn that into no doubt seven points for the team on that play. And it wasn't his only good play of the game. The dude creates separation. The dude creates yards after, after the catch. He's really elusive in my opinion, after the catch and he wins on the vertical plane still too, if you need him to. So he's my unheralded player of the game, just a wildly unheralded player by giants fans. In my opinion, best route on film for you. Speaking of the vertical plane, look, I could have went with any of the Saquon Barkley wheel routes, the rail routes, all that kind of yes. stuff, man. I actually went with that Jalen Hyatt play on the second and three where he didn't receive the football, but I just absolutely love how he faked to the inside, got the cornerback to shade in that direction, and then basically had the numbers to the sideline to explode outside with no one to contest him. And if Tommy DeVito had a little bit more time, that could have been just a long, huge touchdown pass to Jalen Hyatt. So I absolutely loved seeing that because verticality is key. And it's something we've been talking about on this podcast for how long, Dan? It's, it's getting annoying to this degree. But now we actually have a player who could take advantage of it if the football can be delivered to him. This isn't just John Ross. John Ross was fast. Yes, I get it. Like Jalen Hyatt, this could it's be a special player. It's totally different. J Jalen Hyatt's ability to run those double moves and sink his hips and re-accelerate is not, in my opinion, something John Ross did that often on tape, in my opinion, at least from how they use him. Now, he had some moments, too, John Ross. I don't want to knock the guy. He did. But when he's healthy and he, and he didn't crack the ball on the vertical plane like Hyatt did not that we were able to see that this game but we have been in the past and that was the same route I went with that's always going to be the winner for me any of these like double moves vertical type routes I just I, I live on the vertical plane that's what I I dream of a day Nick where we can watch vertical throws in this offense and we can actually like you know throw for 300 a game type thing with three TDs more often but you know, he's the guy who helps me live in that dream. He's the guy who gives me hope that that dream can be realized at some point as a Giants fan. And and we'll see when, I, uh, you know, we'll see eventually when that happens. I hope it happens sooner than later, Nick. Um, we'll see. But he's definitely going to help them reach that goal. Um, let's do best throw on tape from you. We have different ones here. Yeah, Dan, I could have easily went with the Barkley first touchdown. But I went with that Darius Slayton throw on the third and 13. I loved everything about it. We already broke it down a lot. I just love how he pumped fake to open up the window and then had the confidence to deliver it in still a tight window. I think it showed a lot about Tommy DeVito, so I went there. Yep, fair. I just went with the Bar Barkley touchdown pass. We went over it already. The ball placement on that thing, the velocity on thing, the timing of that throw. It's one of the best throws any giant quarterback has made this season if you're just breaking this down unbiasedly. It was an incredible throw to go back shoulder there. I'm not, not back shoulder, outside shoulder there with Saquon Barkley throwing it away from the safety. Best player overall on tape for you. 
Mine was Saquon Barkley, man. He did everything, put the team on his back. Giants are on the third string quarterback, and he's propping that quarterback up, making him more confident than maybe he would have been. Just sort of showing like, hey, we believe in you. I absolutely love everything about the leadership qualities that Saquon Barkley is displaying right now. And he's also obviously producing on the field. So Saquon Barkley. It's Saquon Barkley for me as well. I, I I thought about Andrew Thomas, but Saquon Barkley was the best player in this game. I mean, he had one incredible touchdown where he destroys Jamin Davis by multiple yards, and it's a vertical touchdown, right? He had two other routes where he got completely open, but the ball didn't come his way. Could have been more yards, could have been another touchdown. The runs, we just went over one of his best runs, I think, of the season. And I agree, he is definitely better at processing those, you know, power gap type runs, pin pull, things like that. But it's still just great to watch him set up set up that run that way, set up the blocks, and then watch three Washington defenders flow right the wrong way as he comes back left, eliminating three players from a play. It's just beautiful to watch. And he was the best player on tape. He, in a lot of ways, is making me rethink my thoughts on extending running backs because I just got to be honest. For it. We'll go over that on another podcast, but yeah. it's something that I've never thought I would consider, but I am actually considering at this time for a multitude of reasons. One but, thing real quick, I absolutely love the fact that the Giants are abusing these linebackers in coverage because yes. remember Washington did this to Patrick Graham's defense in 2021 yep. with J.D. McKissick so frequently. It was so, so annoying. Frequently. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's great to see it come back to bite them in the ass. Agreed completely. Okay. Let's wrap up with a pass blocking grade one to 10 in a nine sack game. And it's going to be funny to hear for those who don't. Know. <laughs> yeah. So I went with a 7.1. Is that mine or mine? 6.9. It's 6.9. I'm 7.1. It's amazing. We could be that high, but the pass protection was good. Most of the sacks were on the quarterback. That's the reality of the tape. Um, we've gone over it a bunch. We don't need to hammer home that uh, point. Another time run blocking one to 10. This one's a little more interesting. Yeah. I'm with 4.8 for the run mm -hmm. block. It wasn't great for no. much of the game up until about the fourth quarter. But then you really saw Justin Pugh and John Michael Schmitz specifically, as well as the down blocks and the pin pull concept, really take advantage of the angles that the defense was playing with. And also I just love the hustle of the plays that we already broke down with Pugh and John Michael Schmitz. So I went 4.8. Yeah, I went 4-4 here. Uh, there were some great moments and some flashes that brings it into the four. But overall, not the best run blocking from Tyree Phillips, in my opinion. The interior offensive line wasn't their best game either. Um, and just, you know, it's still not where we want it to be. I don't think the run blocking, but it, it's definitely getting a little better. And the pass blocking has definitely taken a jump despite the nine sacks. So it's all the time for we have to we have for today, I should say. Uh, Nick, I'm happy to see the move is going well. I don't know what's going on in the background there. Like, what are those things in the background? Oh, those are steins, bro. Yeah, those are like German drinking steins. Okay. I don't drink beer but that's what those are. And then you have some Marine Corps stuff and Marine Corps challenge. No, I see the Marine Corps stuff that I had a good beat on. It was the Steins, as you call them, that I had never heard of before. But, you know, now I know what a Stein is. I never heard that word. I kind of like it. But thank you to everybody tuning into Big Blue Banter Podcast. Keep it locked and loaded. And we'll talk to you soon. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.